the Crime Corner, where we examine all things crime, whether it be on the page, on the screen, on the street, or in the courtroom. I'm Matt Coyle, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series, and I'll be your host for as long as it takes. My guest tonight, Alan Orloff, has had an eclectic employment career. As an engineer, he worked on nuclear submarines. Now, not many guys can say that. Supervised assembly workers in factories, facilitated, facilitated technology transfer from the Star Wars program, another one not many people can say, this may be more, and learned to stack washing machines three high in a warehouse with a forklift. Even started his own recycling and waste reduction newsletter business. Now he writes fiction. His debut mystery, Diamonds for the Dead, was a 2010 Anthony Award finalist for Best Novel, Best First Novel, and Pray for the Innocent won the 2019 ITW Thriller Award for Best Ebook Original, which is fantastic. His short fiction has appeared in numerous publications, probably too many to name, and his short story, Dying in Dokesville, won a 2019 Derringer Award, and Rule Number 1 was selected for the 2018 edition of the Best American Mystery Stories anthology, edited by none other than Miss Louise Penny, or Ms. Louise Penny. His latest novel is I Know Where You Sleep. Welcome, Alan Orloff. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You got it. Thanks for uh, coming on. We're at 8 o'clock in the East Coast. So, I know where you sleep. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, ever since um, I started reading crime fiction, I guess I was working in Boston back in the 80s. And my boss came up to me and said, you know, Alan, I, I see you like to read. Have you ever read this Private Eye series by uh, Robert B. Parker? You know, it's a local <laughs> takes place here in Boston. And, of course, he's talking about this, you know, the Spencer series. And I said, you know, I hadn't really done it. At that time, I'd read a lot of horror and science fiction, but not too much mystery, you know, some Agatha Christine stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it'd be it, – so I, I started reading books, and I devoured them. And it's, it's great. So ever since then, I've always had a, kind of a soft spot in my reading heart for private eyes. But it wasn't until, I guess, my ninth book – uh, that I actually got the opportunity to write a private eye novel. So I'm real excited uh, about that. And I guess sort of the twist is uh, Anderson West owns the private eye firm, and he, he brought in his, his sort of his loose cannon sister to work alongside him. So very not only does Anderson very loose. Not only does uh, Anderson have to you know, solve a case using the typical private eye means, but he has to kind of keep his sister in check because she is apt to do most anything. So I had a lot of fun writing it. And um, the first, this first book t- is uh, they, they go after a stalker. And I don't know if you've ever been stalked, Matt. I mean, it's possible. Um, I've never actually personally been stalked. However, I, there was a situation where someone paid me a little bit too much what I considered inappropriate attention. And even at that very minimal amount, I felt really uncomfortable. So in doing the research for this book, I mean, I, I, mean, I always knew that stalking was, you know, a, a time. But I don't know right. that I really understood the impact that it could have in somebody's life. So, I, you know, I took the opportunity to kind of write about that in this book. Yeah, um, it's really been on the society's radar probably ever since Rebecca Schaefer was murdered in 1989. Yeah. I'm not even going to mention the yeah. son of a bitch's name who did it. Um, and I, it's it seems to me the law, and maybe you've, you've done more research research than I, you probably have, 
But it seems to be lawmakers have yet to craft legislation that can adequately handle um, the threat, which often leaves police with their hands tied. And I think just like your book, it forces susceptible people to use the services of someone like um, Anderson West, maybe not his sister, but like Anderson West. So, um, but it's very important to his sister too. So talk a little bit about for them, the characters, why the stalking cases are so important. Well, I, I think Anderson sort of has the um, typical uh, person's reaction that it's terrible. You know, you're wrecking somebody's life. And he's sort of the kind of guy that he's a good guy. He's a good guy deep down and he wants to help his clients. Um, uh, Carrie, his sister has more of a visceral need, and that stems from some incidents that happened to her when she was much younger. Um, so she always kind of sticks up for the, the weaker, the less fortunate, the, uh, the victimized, the, the, the people that are more uh, easily victimized. So she has a much more personal stake in this. So she, like you said, she'll just do anything it takes. She'll do whatever it takes uh, to sort of stop the stalker yeah she not only sticks up she reaches out (laughs) (laughs) she uh, must have been a fun character to write it was was. and honestly not not one I read Um, I haven't really read another character like her in crime fiction so your protagonist which is a great name Anderson (laughs) West to me, when I'm reading the book, uh, it has the feel of a series character. And then you just mentioned in this, the first book. So I'm wondering, are you making a series out of this? Well, you know, I, I, I mean, I'd like to make a series out of it. But it's, it's not only in my hands, you know. There's right. the uh, sales and the business aspect of things. But I do have, you know, the first chapter written of the next next one and sort of the plot outline. So all the cards fall right. Yeah, I'd like to like to have that as a series. Now I know I just read a terrific PI novel uh, called Wrong Light. Ah, as a matter of fact, written by yours truly, you, 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 and um, now it's great. So and uh, you obviously have what's your fifth fifth in the series? That one and you have the next one starting to yeah. come out. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I lost. So how do you how do you like writing the series? Um, well, it's all I've ever written. Um, it took me 10 years to get published, so I, I was, I've been writing Rick Cahill for 19 years, even though it, um, even though I've only got six books out, seven comes out in December. But for me, it's and it's in first person. So when I do something else, it's going to be quite a challenge to do something, another character, possibly in third person. So, but I love I love writing a series. As a matter of fact, um, you segued into a question I was going to ask you about. It's, it's that you're, although now you're starting the second book, you've written, as far as I know, nine standalones. This one might be the beginning of a series. And like you mentioned me, I like a series. Well, for me, my um, starting point is what is this, whatever happens in this book, what's it going to do to my character, Rick Cahill? How's it going to affect him? And mm-hmm. so I think I have a little bit of a cheat. I think series characters, or at least I feel I have one, I have a cheat to get started. I've already got something. Even if I don't want to know I'm going to write about, I know how am I going to hurt Rick this time. So when you're writing um, standalones, where do you start? What's your 
how do you think about story? What do you is do you think about character first? Think about oh, I heard this really heard there's something very interesting on the news, or I read something. How does how does the call come about for you in putting together a, a single standalone? Yeah, yeah. No, the answer is all of the above, or any of the above for any particular title. Um, you know, I get the I get ideas the same way most writers get ideas from any everywhere. The littlest thing can you know, bring about an idea. Sometimes I'll just see a, a quirky person walking along the street. I'm like, you know what? What if that person, you know, had a license to carry a gun or something? No kind of pandemonium might that create? Yeah. Um, I had the, the novel that came out before. Uh, I know where you see Pray for the Innocent. You may not, you or the listeners may not believe this, but I woke up at 4 a.m. I was down at Sleuth Fest. I remember it was a Sunday night. I was at Sleuth Fest, you know, and we were leaving the next day. Woke up at 4 a.m. This idea was fully formed, came out fully formed. I woke up with it. It wasn't a dream. I woke up and I had this idea in my head. It was the freakiest thing ever. It's It's a bizarre premise. I mean, it's really a great premise. And the book came out, you know, better than I hoped it would. But it was so freaky, and it's it was great. But the problem is, every day, every morning since, I wake up a little bit disappointed that hey, darn it, you know, another day, and I don't have this great idea. So a little bit um, disappointed. But yet, it's a combination. Sometimes it's a person, sometimes it's a plot, and you kind of kind of fit the person. You know, it's not. Some of them are hard to track down where the idea actually came from. Right. So, as I mentioned in the in the opening bio, and um, I could have listed, it's on the uh, intro to uh, this podcast on Authors on the Air of all the different um, magazines and such that you've been published in for short stories. I mean, I don't, I couldn't even count the number of short stories you've written. But um, which do you prefer, short or uh, long form? Well. You know, as you, you mentioned, sort of in the intro, some of the different jobs I've held. So I, I started. I was not an English guy. I was a numbers guy. I'm an engineer. Went back to business school. I never took a creative writing class in my life. So I didn't know from anything. I would just. I've always been a big reader, and and what I mostly read were novels. So when I decided to try creative writing, I thought, well, it's naturally, I just should write novels. So I must have written five, six, eight manuscripts. Now, that all didn't get published, of course, before I even thought about, oh, maybe I should try a short story. But I looked around, and some of my friends were having a lot of success getting them published, and they you know, say, Alan, you should you know, do a short story. You can try different things. So... A lot of my short stories are sort of noirish, mm-hmm. which is, you know, kind of a bad a bad guy as a protagonist or a bad woman as a protagonist. I don't think I could sustain my I don't think I could write a whole novel with a bad guy as a protagonist. It just would run right. me out or something. So I, I you know, I, I see short stories as sort of a opportunity to try some experimental things or whatever, so I mean they're both fun. That's not a cop-out answer. That's not a cop-out answer. Actually, um, you kind of raised an interesting point about noir and um, having a bad character as the protagonist, antagonist, protagonist. Um, That that may be why it's not done that often. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of flawed characters that um, carry a whole book, but something truly evil 
hasn't been done much. Um, have you taken ever had a story that you you're starting as a short story and then you expanded it into one of your novels? No. No. All right. So um, <laughs> next question. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Don't worry. Don't worry. No, I I guess I know going in. I mean, usually the short story, kind of by its nature, has a limited scope. So uh, it's either you know, sort of one I'm, – I'm running about one thing, whether it's an aspect of a particular um, character's personality or it's about right. sort of one little uh, twist of a, of a bank job or just one um, – like one thematic thing I'm trying to highlight. Right. I don't think that – you know, once you sort of get that idea in my head, I'm not sure I could expand it to uh, novel length. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the key. I, I've written one short story, but I've I've, um, I've actually been a judge on uh, at least um, one for one award, and I've actually co-edited a couple of um, anthologies now. And that's what I read about the difference. That's what I read about it. But then when you read the the work, that really is the main the main deal is having um, sort of a single thrust. You can't have too many subplots. Yeah. Which yeah. you should write more. You should write more short fiction. It's fun. Once you get into it, it's fun. Can't do it at all. <laughs> more long form. Um, yeah, I've, I've written one. That's I got it published. Got nominated for something. So there you go. I, well, I check, one for one. That's pretty good. Check off the uh, the bucket list on that one. So you mentioned a lot of your former jobs, which are, are obviously we could spend a whole um, twenty five minutes on that. So, but when you were doing, I imagine uh, some of these jobs use more brain power than others. Were you writing as you were doing these multitude of jobs? No, no. I came to I came to writing relatively late. So, I I it didn't even cross my mind to write. I mean, I hated English class as a kid. Really, uh-huh. I mean, much to the consternation of my father, who's an ex uh, English teacher. Hmm. But no, I looked for ways to. Get out of writing papers. I, I don't know if, if you did you would, did you major in English when you were. I know a lot I of writers kind of majored. In English. I did. I majored in English and got a job in a restaurant with my degree. Yeah, yeah. So you know how it is. But I never read. I'm probably the least well-read writer you'll run into. I never read the the classic stuff you read in high school. Like uh, I only could read like half of James Joyce, the portrait of an artist as a young man or whatever. Much more. Not, I couldn't read. Faulkner, like one sentence would go on for like 12 pages or something, right? I just never could get into that stuff. So while the class was reading those things, I would read the, um, you know, the Cliff's Notes, and then I would read, you know, Isaac Asimov or Robert Heinlein, kind of on the side right. there. So I don't know. Yeah, but you were reading. It wasn't like you weren't reading at all. You yeah. were read, just reading your what interests you, and and I think that's um, the key for a lot of writers is that some if you've read a lot of crime which now you have is that some of the ideas for plot points and things like that they almost kind of uh fall in and rhythm that you don't really even understand how you got yeah. there um but yes. that's years, years of reading yes exactly um exactly. i get to the point where well it's probably about time for a body to show up so exactly the man <laughs> with a gun I do that <laughs> that's first draft stuff and then you revise you speaking go. of so we have a lot of listeners who are at various points of their writing careers. 
And they like to hear about process and routine, which they might they find interesting. Maybe um, non-writers don't. But we always talk about it. So what is your writing process like? Sure. I find writing, listening to other writers talk about their process fascinating. Fascinating. I go to the, you know, at these conferences, I'll always pick the panels where they're talking about process. So my process, um, you know, I spend about maybe a week. I'm, a, I'm an outliner. I guess it goes back to my engineering background. I spend mm-hmm. about a week before I actually start writing, kind of outlining the plot. Now, I don't do the, you know, Here's number A, you know, Roman numeral one, A, subsection. Yeah. I don't do it like that. I do it right. more like um, scene by scene. Before I start, I need to know the inciting incident, you know, scene, the beginning. I need to know how it ends. Mm-hmm. And in my books, it's, you know, good always triumphs over evil. And I like to have the protagonist face off for, against the antagonist, kind of one-on-one. So no army of FBI agents involved or anything like that. Right. And then a few major, uh, you know, turning points in the middle, like tent poles, like set scenes. And then from there, I'll just sort of fill in. Um, now, I, something I, sometimes I teach writing workshops. Um, and one of the things I, fi- I found with a lot of beginning writers is they have a lot of difficulty getting to the end, typing those two beautiful words that all us writers love, the end. Because they get so involved with um, revising and reworking the first chapter, and then they'll get it perfectly, and then move to the second chapter and, and rework it, and then they got to go back and change the first chapter to match the changes they made in the second, and just on and on, and never get to the end. Right. So I espouse what I call Big Fock, butt in chair, fingers on keyboard, and just start right. typing from the beginning word all the way straight through to the end. And um, don't go back and edit. Don't go back and revise. So I try. This is kind of my method, and, and it may not work for everybody. Of course, you know, we'll get it. You got to find what works for you. But for me, and for some people that have trouble getting to the end, I find that if you just sit down and just type, get to the end, you'll you will have accomplished several things. One, you'll have proven to yourself you can get eighty thousand words down on paper. You know, and it's some sort of something that maybe resembles the story. Yeah. And two, you'll, you'll see your whole story in front of you because there's so often, like chapter one, chapter two, you don't really know where your story's going, even if you've outlined it, you know? Um, so, so you'll pick up my, my first draft and it'll be like rubbish. It'll be, it'll be horrible. And Anne Lamott in her great um, book, Bird by Bird, gives you permission to write a crappy first draft. So I take her up on that permission and do it. Sometimes if I change the, the character's name, you know, halfway through, I don't go back and change it in the draft. So that first draft, if someone's, if so, yeah, so, you know, if someone picks up your draft, like, and tries to read it, it's like, well, who's this character? They just show up out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, well, that's the hero. I just decided to change his name. That's <laughs> <laughs> the hero. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, I'm a bit of so a big that fucker. How you, is that how you write? I'm a bit of a big fucker. Um, I do revise every day. I've heard that about you, Matt. You're a big fan. I do revise what I wrote the day before when I get started. But, I mean, just right now, I'm I'm finishing the first draft of uh, my eighth book. And, yeah, just like you say, I mean, there's stuff that I have changed as it goes. Well, I'll just get it on revision. I'm not going to go back now 
Um, and I think that is, that is a good point because I, I think people, it's, um, what is that saying? Um, the, the perfection is the enemy of the good or something like that. And uh, I, think, I think you made a really good point about why pe some people don't maybe finish is they, th they think that it's not perfect, you know, and they, and they go back and revise and they can't get to the end. Yeah. Um, John Lasquas is the right thing. It, same thing. He gives himself permission to write a shitty first draft. <laughs> But I mean, his yeah. first drafts are probably really good. Um, and I've heard somebody else say, <laughs> and it may have been him actually yeah, his, say, his shitty is probably our our final polish. Right. Somebody else say, I I give myself permission to think that I'm writing um, perfection, and I think it's the same thing. Is that in the first draft is you're just not you're just not slowing down too much. Just like you say, you get to the end, and then you know hopefully you've left. With, if you're on deadline, hopefully you've left some yourself some time to go back and revise. Yeah. Yeah, and something weird that I found uh, that if you go back, when you go back and read your draft, you'll, at least for me, I discover that the parts I thought were really crappy weren't as crappy as I thought. And the right. parts I thought were really good weren't as good as I thought. Exactly. So you can barely tell those, those bad writing days from the good writing days, which I guess is good. Yeah, it's just like you say, it's putting your ass in the seat. Yeah. So how has the uh, pandemic affected you and your writing, or has it? Um, well, we, we – my wife and I, we moved. We moved out of our house at the end of January, and our goal was to move down and, you know, get a, get a rental place for a while while we looked at houses and buy a house and, you know, move in and everything. So we didn't, we didn't have our crystal ball shined up enough, so we had no way to – foresee this COVID pandemic. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, pretty soon we realized, you know, oh, you know, something terrible is happening. Um, and that it just, I mean, you know, we had, we had no place to live. We were without a home, but we had to live in like hotels and Airbnbs and, you know, get takeout food because there's no place to cook. It was, it was, you know, a lot of tension, a lot of stress. Expensive so that, too. You know, yeah. Um, so so January, so February and March and and really March, April, I didn't get any writing done. Wow. Um, not, but I didn't really plan to because I knew we were moving, so yeah. that was fine. So, you know, it's hard to it's hard for me to differentiate what was COVID and what was just the upheaval in our lives by moving. <laughs> but in, but in the last six months, six weeks or so, I've been able to get back on track and I. Finished up a draft and wrote a couple of stories, so we're good. I'm good. How does it take you to write a short story generally? Um, you know they're short, so you know three, four days maybe. Mm -hmm. five, five days, something like that. You know, how about a first draft on a? How about a first draft on a novel? Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I do my big fox, so I have a, and I use a word, a daily quota. So uh -huh. if I'm, you know, if I've got 1500 words a day, it'll take me, uh, whatever, 80,000, you know, six weeks. Is that, is that, I don't know, 10 weeks, eight to 10 weeks, maybe, but that's draft. And I go back and right. kind of make it decent, you know, How, are you a fast writer? No, no, nope. No, the, what the, the, the one um, good thing that's happened for me is that my first drafts have gotten a lot better because if they weren't, then it'd be really hard for me to make deadlines, but they have gotten better. 
thank God. So the revision is there's still a lot of revision, especially the book I'm writing now. It's going to take a lot of revision, but um, like you know, it's not a first draft that I wrote 15 years ago. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you one thing I forgot to is on in. Um, I know where you sleep. You got your protagonist, your kind of classic private eye, in first person. We're in his head in first person, and then you've got um, a couple other third person uh, points of view. Was that easy, difficult, uh, a choice, or just happened? Um, no, it was a conscious choice. I, I guess I prefer writing in first person, probably like you do. Um, but not all stories lend themselves to first person, like. Uh, I pray for the innocent. Uh, you know, it was a kind of a thriller, and that was all third person because I wanted different, a lot of different viewpoints. So I just thought it felt. I mean, I couldn't. I read books where they have multiple first person narrators, but that confuses my feeble mind sometimes. Yeah, that'd be hard. You know, having two different people called I. Um, but I wanted to maintain the um, kind of that PI trope of the first person. But I also wanted to be in Carrie's head, but maybe not too close in her head because it's very uh, raucous and tumultuous in there. Right. So I, I, I mean, I, I think I enjoyed writing it this style. So yeah, I mean, if I look back on my other books, most of them are first person, but there are several third person, and I think most of my unsold manuscripts are third person. So I'm not sure. I, maybe I should take something from that. <laughs> Nah, it's just, I think, it, like you say, it's a story. So yeah. um, you mentioned that, you said two things, actually. You said you'd written the first chapter of what would be the second um, Anderson West book. But you also just said that you'd written a first, I think you said you'd written a first draft of something over COVID. So you got two things going on right now, plus you wrote a couple short stories. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, the writing life is, publishing is bizarre. Right, you're working on something, something may be coming out, so you gotta go back and revise what you have that you wrote maybe two years ago, right, before it gets published, you get in the galley or something. And then you've got to sort of plan what's gonna happen next. So at any one time you might be working on three or four or more projects, but they're not all current. Some of them you have okay. to, and I've I've got a terrible memory for characters and stuff, like in my own work even. So Sure. I remember once I, I, I had to do a um, talk for a book club that had read one of my earlier books, and I had to go back and flip through the book to make sure I knew who the characters were because I couldn't for the life of me remember their names or what they were, what's going on. So, so anyway, yeah. So I just wrote a draft of a different, you know, a different novel, kind of a standalone novel. And I've got a couple of novels on submission, and hopefully in the next few weeks I'll be able to announce another book coming out. Yeah. So, yeah, exciting. So. Well, it sounds like when you're not moving uh, in the middle of a thousand-year uh, pandemic, that you're pretty um, productive as a writer. Yeah, yeah, I've been able to crank it out. So I don't know whether that I sacrifice quality or not, but you know. How my mind works. So, you know, I've, right. I've learned in my older age. I've learned that you just gotta take it as a comp. You know, Stop trying to so everything. soon there may be an announcement of a book coming out. 
and you've got what about the short stories? Are they going somewhere in particular, or you just wrote them to place them later? Um, uh, I don't, I don't remember. What? Well, I've got a, I've got a short story coming out. I don't remember where you're supposed to send them. No, I don't. I don't remember. I got a, I do have a story coming out in Alfred Hitchcock sometime in the next. Oh, very cool. Not easy to get in there. Six, six months. And I have a story that I'm really excited about that's coming out in, uh, there's a new noir publication, Mickey Finn, that's coming mm-hmm. out uh, September, I think. Michael Bracken is the editor. Yeah. And it's one of the better stories I've written in a while. I'm really excited for that one to come out. It's just sort of, you know, the feeling that just your scene, just, it just all works together. Just, you know, something just drops into place and like, oh, this is it. I can stop writing. It's good. No, I don't know that feeling, actually. No, you know. Well, if you ever get there, it's pretty cool. I had a one. It was for this story. I, I maintain uh, the so, climb. So where can people find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, I have a website, you know, alanordoff.com. I'm active on Facebook. I am on Twitter. I am less active on Instagram. <laughs> and I mostly post, I think I'm mostly going to post, like, lizard pictures since we just moved to South Florida. And I'm, I'm enamored with lizards. Bugs so. too. You'll find plenty of bugs down there. Yeah, the big ones. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, Alan. Well, thanks for coming on, and everybody out there. I know where you sleep. It is an a perhaps the first Anderson West novel. It's a good read, and um, got some really interesting characters, particularly his sister. So give it a read, and Alan. Uh, thanks. It took us a while to get this done, uh, which was. On my end, I apologize, but thanks for coming on today. Well, Matt, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. I enjoyed our talk. Me too. All right, folks. Thanks for listening, everybody. I I think I'll have another show in two to three weeks. I'm not exactly sure. But stay tuned. Also, if you're in a book club and would like an author to answer questions and talk about his work, I'd love to talk to you. You can find my email address on my website, mattcoilbooks.com, or look me up on Novel Network, and they can set up a uh, book club meeting. This is a copyrighted, trademarked podcast owned solely by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.